where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hi, welcome back, friends. This is Hannah. This is Cass. Today, we wanted to talk about entertainment that we were allowed. Mm -hmm. Just to start, what was kind of your guys' outline in your house? If we think about the cult that we we grew up in, it very much varied from household to household what you were allowed to watch, what you were allowed to listen to what you're allowed to read. In my household, let's talk about movies and Mm -hmm. TV shows. We were allowed almost everything that was rated G. Um, There were a couple PG things that we watched, but it would be PG for like exciting sequences or action sequences. So like we could watch those. Yeah. (laughs) We didn't watch things that we weren't supposed to watch things that had swearing, nudity, violent actions against other people like killing (laughs) what was yours um well mine changed when i joined the cult so um way back in the beginning when it was fairly normal still and we were younger it was you know g pg on the occasional um pg-13 because we were getting a little bit older of course prefaced by mom and dad first to make sure that you know they thought it was okay and appropriate for a 12 year old or whatever when we joined the cult though my parents didn't necessarily go along with some of the other ideas of entertainment that were being kind of tossed around the cult so we essentially just reverted back to their childhoods and we watched a lot of old movies and old tv shows they probably did that because they thought that the shows that they grew up with were you know still like wholesome family shows will still be funny and entertaining or whatever every household in this group had their own personal filters and ways that they would like adjust what was what their kids were allowed to see or knew existed yeah there was this one tool that people had i believe Uh, it was an actual box it was that you could buy kind of like a dvd player clear play do you remember clear play do yes we never owned what does clear play do clear play has many different settings that you can go in and select Um, So that when you put in your DVD of preference, it will filter out all of these things. This could be anything from gang violence, which I can't think of what the hell you'd be watching except for like Gangs of New York or The Godfather, I guess. In a Christian household. household. This doesn't seem like something you would need to filter out already. Whatever. (laughs) Or murder, profanity, kissing, if there's sex, if there's naked people. And it seems like a good idea. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a bad idea like, until you go over to people's houses and they're like so heavily censored on these movies using the clear play. It's not even worth it to watch the movie. Like just pick a different movie. I feel like if you feel the need to filter and censor so heavily from a film or movie, maybe that shouldn't be being shown in your household Mm -hmm. in the first place, Yeah, perhaps? Pick something else, maybe that aligns more with your beliefs or your morals or whatever, whatever it is. As far as I know, as of 2023, Clearplay still exists. And you can go on their digital library (gasps) and see the movies that they've filtered if you want to watch something. The filters are like adult supervision, 
completely and you're able to filter or censor a certain amount, a certain type of whatever thing it is that you don't want your family to see mm-hmm. or hear. Clear play was something that I remember going to people's house that did have clear play. The way that clear play works is it doesn't put something else in or cover something up. It just takes it, it will out. It literally entirely. just cut out yeah. the whole, f- all of the frames that you wanted to censor. So I remember going to people's houses and trying to watch movies with them. They'd be like, we love this movie. You got to watch this film. And I remember watching the movie and thinking, I am definitely missing a plot point or maybe dialogue <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Or I am confused. I do not understand how the people got from here to here. Point A to point B. Or, yeah, like, I know. It was very confusing as a child to not know what I was, what I was missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I do feel like if you have a certain preference that you avoid watching nudity on TV, I totally understand why you would filter it out. I think it's a little bit weird that people would watch inappropriate, quote unquote, films and just use clear play to watch it anyways. Right. Like, why would you just not avoid it altogether? Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. Something that I want to tie this into how it relates to our experience in the cult. Um, We talked about fundamentalism in a past episode and the legalism, which is adding a bunch of rules that aren't scriptural, but putting them on the same level as scripture. And one thing that I remember seeing when we were kids is the people in power, so the people in leadership Mm -hmm. in the cult, Mm -hmm. would praise certain media or tell you how bad and sinful it was and how inappropriate it was. Do you have any specifics in mind? Any Jane Austen film was amazing. It taught women how to be the perfect girl. Almost any black and white TV show from the 40s was appropriate. It had to be from the 30s or the 40s. Because even when you were getting into I Love Lucy, it was a little bit sketchy still. People in power people in leadership would have a say in what parents considered when they were like oh should my kids be watching this Mm -hmm. it doesn't quite align with the leadership's personal opinion i think my parents tried to do a little bit of that but we had a vast vhs library that was donated to us by somebody and so whenever mom would go shopping me and my brother made a pack that we were going to try to finish at least a movie or two while she was gone because we knew she was shopping and doing her entire shopping list we had up to three and a half hours and that was enough time oh. to watch two movies. Did we pee? Not at all. <laughs> Out with one in the next. <laughs> and I watched some movies that were kind of weird to watch with my little brother, but you know what? We did it for the good of us. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta. <laughs> what about books? What Ooh. were you allowed to read or not allowed to read? My mom used to read my books before I could get them. This was when I was like maybe like 12 and under. And then there came a point we were going to the library like twice a week. I would just be roaming through the library picking out my own books. I already had my own genres that I liked. My mom pretty much trusted me entirely on what I was reading. I do want to talk about some book shaming because there was some literature shaming. And I don't think she intentionally meant it, but with that comment that was made in relation to the cult we were in and what we were being told there, it made me feel dirty, let's say. Um, So I was reading a book book that was made for younger teenage girls. It got to a point in the book where she was really smitten with this boy and he was so cute and he worked at the stable because I read horse books. (laughs) 
and uh-huh. they had their first kiss or whatever and they're flirting around the farm and all of this shit and it made me feel dirty and my mom said be oh, careful no. with those kind of books they have a tendency to get kind of soap opery and you don't need to have those feelings or something along those lines it made me feel guilty and dirty ashamed for having those kind of like cute pitter-patter feelings of, oh, I want a guy to feel that way about me one day. It never got to be just the whole, you can have those cute little pitter-pattery feelings with a guy or if you're reading a book and it makes you feel that way or whatever without it leading to everything else that they said it led to. It only happened once or twice. And I really didn't read those books at all after that because it made me feel gross. You're not allowed to have romantic feelings unless your dad says that guy is okay. I read a lot when I was a kid. We had a book room in our house. It was like the library room Mm -hmm. with the computer desk and just the walls full of shelves of books. And I read probably every book on the shelves when I was a kid. Something that you mentioned when we were talking about reading earlier regarding mental health and something that we realized. Did you want to bring that up? I read a lot when I was a little kid. Like more than other kids (laughs) to the point where it would be like, I'm the kid that's hiding under my covers with a flashlight reading at night and the parents have to come and tell me to put it away. And Cass and I were talking about this earlier. We were talking about how reading a lot was probably one of the ways that we disassociated as kids before we had vocabulary to talk about things like depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and disassociating. Yeah. So it was a study that I read that said that kids who or adults um, now who used to devour books and just go through them at an unreal pace um, as kids, they found a new way to disassociate as adults. It was really all that it was. Mm -hmm. The books and like say our phones probably for the most of us have swapped places as a new way of disassociating when You know, something's going on when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're having a bout of depression, anything like that. I know for me, mine was trying to, I was trying to escape my reality. I was disassociating in my book worlds and it was getting to a point almost where I was like, I'd rather be here in my books than out in the Mm -hmm. real world because it's not enjoyable. It's not fun. I don't like myself, but I like who I am when I'm reading these books and putting myself in the story. That was something that kind of shocked me a little bit. I was like, oh my God, that's what it was. But again, like Hannah said, at that time, we were not given the vocabulary, nor did we have the tools to be able to go figure that out for ourselves because mental health was it was not talked about at all we are the generation that's going to be able to break that because we now have the knowledge to be able to go on with the next generation and be like hey let's talk about this absolutely can we cover a series that is a book series and a video series really quickly yes there was this thing that happened in the 90s early 2000s (laughs) the left behind series yep for anybody that doesn't know what this was it was basically uh, a movie series about the end of times. It involved, but it was supposedly a biblical principles of when the end of times comes before the world all falls to pieces, there's going to be a rapture, which is where all of the Christians whose souls are saved are going to just simply vanish from existence. They're just going to disappear and be taken to God. 
And so this series followed someone who thought that they were going to be good to go. And then one day, all of the Christian people just started vanishing. And now what's the world supposed to do? Because now all of this population is gone. Mm -hmm. And I am telling you, that was the most traumatizing series of my childhood. Oh, my God. It caused me to doubt my salvation. Uh It caused me to live in constant fear that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't do enough, that I maybe wasn't saved Mm -hmm. that if I am saved what's gonna happen I only read the first book there was a kid's version of these books and then there was an adult version of these books um then there was the movies with that Cameron dude in them or whatever and those movies were traumatizing like literally kept you up at night going oh my god I'm I'm not gonna make it like what if this happens what do I do You shouldn't be thinking about these things as a child. You shouldn't be scared like that as a child. We already had enough things we were dealing with. We didn't need that too. But (laughs) pertaining to rapture, do you want to share the information that you shared with me? Because I am still rattled. (laughs) I am also rattled. When I was growing up, I was taught that when the end of times happens, there is going to be trials and tribulations. But... Before the world is completely on fire and the wars are covering the surface of the planet and humans are dying from famine and disease everywhere, Mm -hmm. before this happens, there's going to be a rapture, which is where all of the Christian people whose souls are saved are going to be taken to be with God. Recently, I learned the idea of the rapture is not necessarily the only idea out there. I grew up being told... This is what's going to happen in the end of times. Mm -hmm. It turns out there are other thoughts and opinions on this subject and thoughts and opinions about whether or not the rapture is actually biblically sound. So let me also just plug this into Hannah and I were raised by preppers and people who believed that this rapture thing was going to happen at any given time when the world started going really bad for them that the rapture was going to happen. So mix rapture and preppers and what do you get? startled children all the time oh this election didn't go well for us the rapture must be coming the rapture is definitely a hot topic amongst christian circles there are people that very firmly believe that this is how the end is going to happen there are other people that very firmly believe other choices now i'm not telling you that one choice or the other is correct per my opinion Mm -hmm. i'm just wanting to share that I didn't know that there were other opinions available because I was in a Christian fundamentalist cult where our way is the only right way. Yes. And that is problematic as someone learning how to think about the world and understanding scripture. Believing something like that my entire Christian young life Mm -hmm. and then finding out that might not actually be the right way. Yeah. (laughs) That's terrifying. Absolutely mortifying. (laughs) please ask questions and do your own biblical research Mm -hmm. before you believe things that your fundamentalist pastors and teachers tell you are is correct yeah um anything else you want to touch on before we move on to other literature one more thing that i want to say a very very controversial book series is the harry potter series amongst christian Mm -hmm. circles because you have people on one side that say Harry Potter is a harmless fantasy series and it's just a crazy little story and people love it and we're big fans and it's all fun and games. Mm -hmm. And then you have people on the other side that say Harry Potter is witchcraft. It is evil. It is unacceptable to interact with. It depends on how you look at it. 
if you view it as being evil and corrupt and it's going to take your children straight to the depths of hell, that's how you're going to view that and you're not going to view it any differently. If you view it as a thing that can be enjoyed, that has certain things that maybe we need to explain to our kids, like, hey, this is make-believe, this isn't real. There's there's two different ways of viewing everything. My mom started out viewing Harry Potter as it's fun. Everybody loves a little bit of magic. It was fine. It was fun. It was magical. It was really cute to watch. Um, who doesn't want to be a magical person when they're playing growing up? You know, whatever. She made a point to be like, this is make-believe. This is not real. You can't do these things, but you can have fun and enjoy watching the imagination of what could be. It's a struggle between good and evil. Exactly. It definitely varies by household. One thing that we were told about Harry Potter being not okay is because it used the vocabulary of witchcraft and witches. And that is in scripture something that we're not supposed to interact with as Christians. Anytime witchcraft is interacted with in scripture, it's clearly shown as this is bad and problematic and bad things happen mm -hmm. when you interact with it. Mm -hmm. It is all about your perspective. How you are raised can be completely different than someone else. Yep. And the fact that we were given such strong boundaries mm -hmm. for what we were allowed to read or watch, it went beyond protecting your kids and keeping them innocent to almost like a personal preference of the adults. Yeah. Well, and we weren't allowed to branch out what are going to be my boundaries not my parents boundaries what are going to be my boundaries for what I think is okay and what I'm not okay with we were not taught how to create boundaries how to think about boundaries and that leads me into discussing some of the literature that we were given to read as kids mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that were taught to us as this is all correct and good. Um, so some of the literature that we're about to mention was given to us either by parents, by elders, by older girls in the group mm -hmm. saying that these were going to be helpful for our Christian walk, growing closer to God, helping us when we are, you know, starting the courting process or whatever it is. Some of these books were given to us so that we were preparing ourselves at an early age to be a wife. Is it okay to prepare to be a wife? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is it okay to teach young girls that your only goal in life is to be a good wife? That's a little problematic. Listen, when you're growing up in this cult and you're told by people several times growing up that you're going to make such a lovely wife and mom for someone someday, instead of actually giving a compliment about who you are, not who you're going to be to somebody else, that's where I have a problem. We actually had a women's group Bible study at church for this, and all the women were expected to participate. It was a book by Debbie Pearl. And if you don't know who Debbie Pearl is, we mentioned her, I think, in an episode or two ago. They're the founders of something called No Greater Joy. She wrote these books created to be his helpmeet and preparing to be his helpmeet for unmarried younger girls to, you know, 
help them know what a good wife is and what they're supposed to do. And pretty much what I got out of it is you're supposed to be meek and mild and obey at all times and not say no. They were not good. They were not helpful. I understand where they were trying to come from with these, I suppose, but I don't see them as a very good example. Do you feel that you learned how to be a better wife because of reading the book? Absolutely not. No. Um, because of the person that I am, those books and couple others that we were made to read, asked to read, just told me that I'm completely wrong being the person that I am because I don't fit in their cute little meek and mild box who obeys everything that their father says, which is going to translate to obeying everything that your husband says. You're supposed to raise your daughters to obey their fathers so that when they get married, they will obey their husbands. But the group that I was in also made me feel like shit because I didn't fit in their box either. You know. Okay, so this literature, specifically the Created to Be, Preparing to Be, Help Meet series, was supposed to teach you how to become a good wife. Did it give you any practical, logistical tools or techniques of how to interact? Because what it sounds like it did for you is it just talked about this personality type Mm -hmm. is preferred in order to be desired by a man. And that's your end goal, is to be desired by a man. That's kind of what it is. So that's problematic because God does not view women as you need to change your personality in order to be desired by a man because mm -hmm. being desired by a man is your end goal in life. That's not very biblically sound. That sounds like a legalistic fundamentalist teaching. And it completely is because when you're in this group and... If you have been in a group like this before, you will have heard this before. You need to strive to be a Proverbs 31 wife. And we can go into that a little bit deeper at some other time because that, I feel like, is its own little can of worms, too. Debbie Pearl created these books to basically show, here's all the good things in my marriage, and here's what you want to try to strive for. It's not all that it was cracked up to be. And there are some very damaging things in the book that they were teaching girls was okay. Things like you don't have boundaries related to your sexual health. Mm -hmm. If your husband wants anything from you physically, you just say yes. There's no boundaries. Yeah. You're tired? That's too bad. You have to be a good wife. Yeah. What about the book that we were all encouraged to read when we were teenagers called I Kissed Dating Goodbye? I didn't read this book because even as a child, I didn't want to be dating anyone because I was afraid to interact with boys. Mm. Courting was the option if you wanted to start a romantic relationship. Yeah. So I Kissed Dating Goodbye by the title sounds like, oh, this is going to teach our kids why dating is wrong. Mm -hmm. Let me read to you what the author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye said a few years later when he realized some things about some of the teachings that he gave in the book. Yeah. I realize now that my book, in an effort to set a high standard, emphasized practices like not dating or not kissing before marriage and concepts like giving your heart away that are not in the Bible. Mm -hmm. In trying to warn people of the potential pitfalls of dating, instead it often instilled fear. Fear uh -huh. of making mistakes and having their heart broken. Okay. That is exactly what this type of teaching did to our youth group. Yeah, no, it, it 100%. So yeah, this falls in line with the fact that we were in a fundamentalist cult because they added 
other rules that are not in the Bible, Mm -hmm. certain principles where they got the ideas from these rules are definitely in scripture. But the rules that we were given were on the same level as actual biblical commandments. We realize now looking back, oh, that's why we were always afraid. Oh, that's why we feel traumatized by Mm -hmm. some of the things that happened. Last thing that we have to wrap this up, games. So what were some games that were okay and games that weren't okay in our little group? Okay, when you say games, this encompasses a lot of different genres. Mm -hmm. I will just really quickly talk about some of them and you can add whatever your thoughts are. One thing from this group that did not vary was... Video games are bad unless you're playing Halo and you're a boy. Boys are allowed to play Halo, which is a video game that was on Xbox Mm -hmm. at the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There would be Halo parties, which looked so fun for me as someone who secretly loved video games but wasn't allowed to Mm -hmm. because I was the godly Christian girl. These parties looked amazing, but I couldn't participate. So video games, not okay, unless it was a Halo party. Or we, Then it's okay. We was okay. The Wii console, yes. We could play Wii together with our siblings. Yes. I think we could play Wii Sports. That was our game. But those were the only actual like electronic games I remember being okayed for most families. So tabletop games, though, that was a different story. So Dungeons and Dragons, out of the question. Absolutely not. There's magic and witchcraft and Satanism and shit and that. I don't remember exactly the reasons why. Um, so that wasn't okay. Most board games in this community were okay to play, especially if it involved some type of educational element. Because remember, most of us are homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So when we play games, it's to learn something. So most of our board games are educational. We had things like, if you've heard of Settlers of Catan, there's a whole game series. Card games, like with an actual deck of cards. We had a lot of card games that we learned to play. I just want you guys to know that because we were homeschooled and we had limited resources, we could either play every card game known to man or we could read a book. So (laughs) we played a ton of card games, like incessantly. When we would go on our little yearly trip down to California, there would be a group of us in the back playing spades all day long. All day long. For instructions on how to play spades, Google it. Okay, we're not going to go over it here. Great game. Great game. Love it. <laughs> we we did have to change the names of games, and I didn't know that they weren't actually called what we called them. Oh, Because yeah. some of the names of games had like swear words or crass words in Bullshit. the title of the game. And yeah, like that game, Bullshit. I didn't we know it that it was called that. So when I went to ask non-cult pe- members, <laughs> like other people, if they wanted to play this game, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you what game play is this? Bluff? No, I want to play bullshit. We did have a little bit of a learning curve there when mm-hmm. we started to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there were a couple games. We're not okay. And I'll let you explain why. I'll I'll just list them out real quick and you can explain why. Because they were not okay in your house. And my house didn't really give a shit about them. So Um, the Pokemon games, the other one with the card games. Yu-Gi-Oh. That was the other one. Weird little ass man with his Bob Ross palette tray of cards over here. (laughs) Those games were not okay. But in my house, again, we didn't really care. So it wasn't a big deal for us. But for your house... 
let's talk about Pokemon, the card game. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, a common view among homeschool Christian communities was that Pokemon was bad. I didn't know this until later, but each family had their different reason for why Pokemon is bad. To give you some background, the Pokemon card game is literally just a giant game of rock, paper, scissors using the different techniques that the Pokemon can use to attack. Literally each other, it. Yeah. Right? It's just like a giant game of rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Hey, they were really colorful and I did collect them for a time, but it's because they were pretty and shiny. <laughs> exactly. So we weren't allowed to play Pokemon because it involved the word evolution or mm. it involved magic. It wasn't evolution. It was evolving. They were evolving into a larger form of themselves, not a new thing. So when you are a Christian homeschooler kid, more than likely you will be taught that evolution is a lie. God creating the world is the truth mm -hmm. and these two two ways of how the earth came to be are at odds with one another yeah you're taught that evolution is bad and wrong mm -hmm. so anything that involves evolving or evolution into something else is looked at as bad and wrong how did the media you were allowed to consume as a kid affect the person that you became today i'm not sure if it affected me as much as People who probably had clear plays in their house because me and my brother found ways around it for the most part. And the things that we did watch, they weren't all bad. They were fun. And I, I mean, I have good memories of me and my brother sneaking up to the church library in our old church and watching all of their VHS tapes. And they were weird things like the Christian version of the Chronicles of Narnia or McGee and me and Bible man shit that people haven't even heard of. And we can be like, do you remember this shit? And he's like, oh my God. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. It was the only thing we had to watch. Okay. <laughs> so if anything, I feel like it gave me a broader perspective of things that are out there. Not all of them are bad. I don't think they should be exclusively watched on their own. I think they should be mixed with a little bit of things, kids should be given the opportunity to grow with their media instead of being stuck watching rated G movies when they're 14 and 15. How have your opinions of media changed from leaving the cult till now? They're a lot less rigid. Okay. If rigid at all. I have figured out the movies that I like and the kind of things that I'm okay with because I've been able to set my own boundaries, watch different kinds of movies and figure out what I enjoy and what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with. From personal experience of being in the Christian cult, we were not given the choice to have boundaries. Boundaries were given for us. When I was allowed to create my own boundaries, what I watch, what I read, what I play has become very much the idea behind giving kids strict boundaries of what they're allowed to consume entertainment wise supposedly you want to create a place where they're safe and they maintain their innocence and they only watch wholesome and interact with wholesome things mm -hmm. because the fear is that if you don't have these strict boundaries your kids are gonna go off the deep end with what they consume and they're going to consume everything that's garbage in the world. Mm -hmm. When I was allowed to set my own boundaries, I realized that there was garbage in the world mm -hmm. and that I didn't want to interact with some of it. Yeah. And 
by being allowed to choose and being allowed to create and understand boundaries of what is acceptable to me and what I'm able to interact with, I feel like it gave me a better sense of wholesomeness than what was provided for me when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, and again, kind of like me, I mean, I got to see you put your feelers out and figure out the kinds of genres of TV and movies and stuff that you enjoy, which is not something that you had ever been presented with previously. Mm -hmm. Very much different than what we grew up with, which is not a bad thing, but it it was fun to see you come into that. Anything else you'd like to say? I think that's it. If anyone wants to watch Stargate with me, I will watch (sighs) with you. I will also watch with you because I actually just was watching Stargate before I started on this episode, so (laughs) I'm a gator. blood, war, killing, murder, death, more sex. (laughs)